0: scores! Gilmore scores!
1: three laps. Off the glass and left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to Yale. A shot. Saved by Alaguila. Three-bounds. Another shot. They score! The blades win it! Yeah, baby! They
2: score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers.
3: All right, we are underway on a Wednesday, July 5th. Welcome into our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio, and this hour of Flames Talk is underway with Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Vix. What's going on, Patrick? Uh, not much. We a uh, lot, lot of buzz from our goaltending yeah. conversation yesterday, or a little buzz, or a, a decent. I'm going to call it buzz. a lot of okay, buzz. Sure, a lot of buzz from our goaltending conversation Tuesday. Um, that uh, the conversation that we had there is. The, the, we do the, the little quote cards that we do on social media, and, and one of those got put out Tuesday night, and uh, I was called the dumbest person to ever be alive. And, and Which,
0: this is where I'm glad you're more famous than I am, because all that
3: oh, all, all that went right to you. I was me.
0: just wiping my hands clean, just hitting refresh every 30 seconds to see somebody else call you down.
3: Um, yeah, the dumbest takes of all time. I. I don't I don't really un- first of all, clearly these people didn't listen to the segment. Correct. Uh, the Twitter heroes were out and, and clearly hadn't listened to the segment, which is fine. I don't care. and I, I enjoy the conversation, and if you disagree with me, disagree with like, I honestly don't care. But what we talked about on Tuesday was possibility, and I think a decent possibility. That the Flames might not be able to trade one of Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar this summer. They're just, the the goaltender trade market does not really exist in a huge, huge way right now. They're not, we're not talking about a ton of teams looking at goaltenders to be acquired. A bunch of free agent signings, which of course teams are going to usually go the free agent route where they don't have to give up assets. Emphasize
0: the free. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Maybe you got to pay a little bit more, but I mean, you think about Detroit and Los Angeles and Ottawa, and it goes down, uh, Winnipeg, all these teams that had potential 1A or 1B or number two spots open, they've all been filled. You know, there's not really a whole lot that still exists out there in terms of goaltenders that uh, or teams that are looking for goaltenders. So what I floated was the possibility that maybe... The Flames have to start the season with all of Dustin Wolf, Dan Vladar, and Jacob Markstrom still in the organization. And what are the ways that you could get around that, or what are the ways that you could make that work so you're not just having Wolf language in the American League and you're still getting him, uh, giving him the carrot and giving him some progression in his career, and obviously still having Vladar and Markstrom. And all we talked about was the possibility of of kind of spot-starting Wolf from the American League and the NHL uh, a few times a month. And all of a sudden, it got people really upset on Twitter. So again, I encourage you to go listen to uh, Tuesday's segment as opposed to taking a quote card out of context. But again... I don't care if you disagree. This is something that I think is somewhat realistic, that they're going to have to have conversations behind closed doors about how they're going to deal with potentially having all three of these goaltenders still in the organization going into next season.
0: Yeah, you can absolutely use Dustin Wolf's waiver-exempt status to your advantage if you're the Calgary Flames, where you can spot start him. You can airlift him in and give him a start here, a start there. As long as you have the cap room to do it and the roster flexibility to do it, you can call him up at a moment's notice, have him start, and send him back down to the Wranglers in a span of 24, 36 hours, and nothing's really affected other than the fact that you carried three goalies for a day and a half. So that is an option for the Calgary Flames. That is an option for Craig Conroy and it's Ryan Huska. It's not an ideal
3: option. Let's 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 put that those cards on the table. That is not ideal. If the Flames are adamant about Dustin Wolf playing in the NHL, the best route is to trade somebody. There's they're like... I think, ideally, you'd rather not have to use that three-goaltender situation, at least from a a hockey management standpoint. I still think there's a lot of value to it. I still think it's an interesting way to go about it. But I also realize, realistically, it's not like their ideal circumstance. So, ideally, I don't think the Flames would love to do that. I still think, personally, in my opinion... I think it's still the way to go, at least early on, but I don't think that's the way the Flames look at it. I think they look at it as, we think Dustin Wolf's ready, and if there is a trade, we'd like to explore that trade. But short of maybe New Jersey or Toronto, I don't know if there are real, realistic trade options for the Flames to explore with one of their two NHL goaltenders right now.
0: That said, not to get into a philosophical debate over development of goaltenders, but even if you do move one out, You still want Dustin Wolf playing more than 15 or 20 games a year. At age 22, regardless of what his resume is, WHL Goalie of the Year, CHL Goalie of the Year, two-time AHL Goalie of the Year, AHL MVP, so on and so forth, you still need him playing, in my mind, at least 40 games a season. So the fact that you can bring him up, play him, send him back down, you don't have to worry about waivers, you don't have to worry about losing him to another team, so on and so forth, he still needs to play the games. But you're right doing it in such a way where you're bringing him in, dropping him down, bringing him in, dropping him down. I don't think it's the best case scenario for all three goaltenders, but it is an option that the Calgary Flames do have.
3: It's And and it's just, if they are in a spot where they need to have all three, or they, they're forced to have all three guys in the organization, I just think you need to have some sort of plan, some sort of strategy, and and some sort of, um, some sort of way of getting around it, so you don't just have Dustin Wolf spending a third straight season in the American League. Because my my tunes kind of changed going back to last year, the way that the way the year went along, and cl- the 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 fact that now this organization is definitely going into a transition. Yeah, I don't know. I for for probably good two thirds or more of the season. I pushed back a lot on Dustin Wolf being recalled. And I still, I still believe recalling Dustin Wolf while the team was still fighting for the playoffs and going through all of what they were going through. I, I still 100% believe keeping him in the American League was the right call. Recalling him to try to save their season last year would have been ludicrous in my eyes. So I think they made the right call there. But where I've definitely changed my tune is like, well, you know what? If he has to spend all of next year, or the year after, in the American League, uh, you you so be it, and you just you over overripen him. But now it's kind of like, well, I I don't necessarily if if we all think that he's ready, or at the very least has earned the opportunity to prove whether or not he's ready. I, my, that's where my tune's changed, and that I think you have to, at the very least, have him take a step. And what I mean by that is either he's a backup and he's full time on the roster, or you're getting him some starts every, you know, you're getting him more than one start in the NHL next year. So it doesn't necessarily have to go right from being in the American League to being in the NHL full time. But At the very least, if you make some sort of intermediate step, it shows him that you're serious about his progression. It shows him that you're serious about continuing to move him along in the organization, even if it's not the complete step uh, in, in one year. Maybe it takes half a season until you can open up that spot. So that's where I've changed my tune, and that's why I still think the potential of using the three of them strategically and smartly is, is something they need to, to, uh, to, to really consider here if they're unable to make a trade in the next couple of months.
0: For me, I would almost, given where the Calgary Flames are at right now, I would place his development as the most important amongst the three goaltenders in the, in the organization right now that will legitimately play NHL games this year. I am so focused on making sure that Dustin Wolf is ready to take that next step, is taking the steps to be ready to take that next step. Last year, he played 56 games, one in the NHL, 55 in the AHL, plus another nine in the uh, Calder Cup playoffs. For me, I still want him playing as many games as possible, but not to necessarily to the detriment of his development. So I don't necessarily want him to play 56 games in the NHL next year and have it not go the right way in the NHL. I still think he needs to play meaningful numbers of games, not just games in the NHL, And the rotation, if you will, the musical chairs, if you will, in the Calgary Flames crease where, all right, maybe he comes up and you spot start him. He can still get 15 or 20 in there and still have a very full workload in the AHL.
3: Uh, This says uh, you guys are right and Wolf should get some starts. This says, why not send down Vladar, and if he gets claimed, he gets claimed. Well, I think that's poor asset management. I really do. I think you've got a young 25-year-old goaltender who has potential. You paid a third-round pick to get him, and I know that was the prior regime and not and not this management group, but still, the Flames gave up a third-round pick two years ago to bring him in. I think you'd like to recoup something so if you could if you could get a third round pick back, a second round pick, something like that, if you could move Vladar the other way, I think that would be I think that would be good asset management. Just losing him for nothing on waivers, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense in my opinion. I, I think that would be not the greatest way to handle your assets. And this says the flames should trade Markstrom and other veterans and go full tank mode this year, do it right for once. I don't think that's gonna happen. And the other thing is, you know, I, I do think. I do think trading Markstrom is a little bit more difficult to do. He's been very adamant that he wants to be a part of the solution here in Calgary. And I think that's good to see and good to hear. But also, he's got three years at $6 million per left, and he's got a full no-movement clause. It just makes it harder to get the right return in a trade for a guy with those circumstances surrounding him. And just to pile
0: on that a little bit. We've seen the text line and Twitter go, well, if player X doesn't want to be here, get rid of him, get rid of him, get rid of him. Markstrom, as you just said, wants to be part of the solution here. So if you've got somebody who wants to be here, who thinks he can help. And again, he's only one season removed from being runner up as Vezina. I know yep. this past season definitely didn't go his way. But if you've got a guy that has shown he can bring it and wants to bring it for the Calgary Flames, do you want to move on from him at this point? Just just based on the fact that, oh, player X isn't sure he wants to be here. Get rid of him. That's well, yeah. Markstrom wants to be here. Yeah, And he's, so.
3: he's, uh, he's you know, I, I think that having a guy who wants to be a part of a solution and a guy who is going to be motivated, whether he wants to be a part of the flame solution or just wants to be, just wants to have a bounce back year after the year that Jacob Markstrom just had. He's going to be a very motivated goaltender next year. Anyway, I just, it it was, it was interesting to see how much, uh, how, how much response. And it wasn't even like, it was a lot of response. It was just, everything was very angry. I was like, why are you so angry? Go listen to the segment. What we're saying is not like, this is not some unprecedented conversation that we're having and it's not just complete out to lunch thinking. There's a reason why we're having this conversation. Because the Flames may be in a spot. There's still a chance that they could trade Dan Vladar. There's still a chance that they could make a goaltending move this summer. But with some of the free agent signings that we've seen, I just think it's less likely on July 5th than it was on June 29th. That's all I'm saying. And so because I think it's less likely today than it was a week ago, at the very least, having the conversation of what it might look like, I think is fair. If the Flames are very serious about Dustin Wolf being in the NHL for a good chunk of time next year, then I think that between now and the trade deadline, they'll find a way to make a trade. But if a trade doesn't make sense, I don't think you're just going to do it to do it just so that you can get Dustin Wolf time in. Uh, You still have to, you still have to be smart in all the areas that you're dealing with here. So to, at the very least understand there might be a chance that they go into training camp with all three guys on the roster. I, that's, that's why we're having the conversation, because there's a more than negligible chance that that could be the case.
0: Well, and even just bringing him to training camp, what do we hear every year? We want competition, we want competition, we want competition. If you've only got two goalies in camp that have a legitimate shot of making the NHL, you're not really having competition at that position. So suddenly, yeah, Mark Vladar, wolf all vying for wanting time, significant time for some, just time for others. But if you have three of them going in, you create internal competition. Every single coach and general manager for the history of time has talked about wanting competition at all positions. And to break open the trade goalie market, yeah. You mentioned last week, let's go one week ago today to, to round one of the twenty twenty three NHL draft at Bridgestone in Nashville. You probably had a better chance to move Ludar at that point then, but if you weren't getting the offers you weren't having the productive conversations that you wanted then no you don't make a move and yes on Wednesday July 5th that goalie market your options may have dwindled significantly but all it takes is one injury or one struggle from a goalie on 31 other teams to maybe crack that market back open again
3: uh, let's hear from the director of goaltending of the Calgary Flames, uh, was up at Winsport a little earlier on Wednesday, sat down with Jordan Sigalette, the director of goaltender for the Fl- of goaltending for the flames, rather and this is, uh, this is his area of expertise. I bounced some of these uh, questions off of him, these topics off of him. We also talked a little bit about development camp, and uh, at the end, some, some thoughts on Markstrom and Vladar, and as they try to bounce back for next season. Uh, got into an in-depth conversation with Jordan Sigalette, the Flames director of goaltending, a little earlier on Wednesday, as uh, development camp gets going on Thursday for the Calgary Flames. Let's listen in to Jordan Sigalette. Okay, I want to get into the. I want to get into the draft. I want to get into development camp and some of the guys you've got here. But was uh, we, we talked a little bit about this on the show Tuesday? And I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with your goaltending at the NHL level? with you've got, Dan Vladar, you've got Jacob Markstrom, and you've also got Dustin Wolf. I, I'm just. What is what have the conversations been like with Dustin since he got into his first NHL game and and what has the messaging been to him, knowing that right now, as you said, you're going with the same two guys?
1: Yeah, I mean you got two guys under contract and in my mind Dustin Wolf's ready for the NHL and I know he's only played one game, but what he's done in the American Hockey League the last two years has been, you know, super impressive and uh, if we can't make room for him, and then you know, and he starts in the AHL, you're just gonna have to work him in and break him in like a horse and get him in some games. And uh, we have three excellent goalies, and you know, you'd be happy to go with any three of them up there, any two of the three up there. So, um, no, we haven't had a lot of conversations with Dustin. Okay. Just, um, since the season ended, it's almost like if you want him up, you got to make room. But you're not just gonna take anything to make room for him. You want to get a good deal if you're if you're moving a guy to have him up. So.
3: so- it's a good problem to have right i mean that's that that would be number one to have three guys that you've got that type of confidence in like that that's something that you as the director of goaltending you're all over like this is a good problem right yeah
1: great problem to have and you know dustin's a pro and um i think he'll be fine mentally no matter where he starts the season but he's he's proved he's ready and he's hungry and he's gonna make a strong push in camp if there's still three guys and um you know we're excited about him and you know too much time in the American Hockey League's never hurt anybody, and he still doesn't need waivers for another year, so uh, we're in a good spot with our goaltending, you know, contract-wise, so yeah. you know, time will tell.
3: Is there is there a way to make three work? Like, could you find a way to work Dustin in at the NHL level, even with Dan and Jacob on the roster?
1: I think it's a lot easier being in the same city now at the Wranglers, but you're always going to run into cap problems, so, you know, you're going to have to play it smart but if he does start in the ahl it's going to be super important to get him games this season so
3: that is that is that something that's been uh that you started to kind of game plan for and and discuss is that someone that behind closed doors you're kind of working on a plan and and potential strategy for
1: yeah you got to be ready for every situation you know anything could happen there could be injuries There could be trades um things could stand pat as they are so um, but you're always ready for every situation. If he ends up going up you gotta be ready to have someone to fill that spot at the American League level as well. Mm-hmm.
3: The uh, the teams that have done it in the past, we've seen Florida kinda do a similar thing, Nashville did it with UC Soros, how did they in from, from what you've dove into, how did they do it successfully and make it work?
1: Yeah, that's something we always you know, compared it to, especially the Soros thing, even with you know, the way they play, they play very similar. So Yeah. Um, they were very patient with him and Thing people forget is that UC played some professional hockey overseas before he came over as well, so that kind of added to his um, resume as an experience. So, um, yeah, you just want to slowly break them in and you know make sure they're ready. And it's a it's a big jump.
3: Um, how from from you go back to. Dustin's season he wins goaltender of the year MVP then he gets the one NHL game in and then dives into nine playoff games just if you take a look at Dustin's second pro season as a whole how would you rate it how would you evaluate it?
1: Oh he was excellent you know he was the backbone of that team again and um, you know it's it's just fun to watch how consistent he is how mature he is for his age he's just a pro already and um, he's up for any challenge and doesn't matter if the team plays good in front of him or bad in front of him. He puts the same game on the table every day and, you know, shows up prepared. Um, You know, just this preparation and confidence adds to that consistency.
3: Talking to Jordan Sigal at Flames Director of Goaltending as we get set for everybody on the ice at Development Camp on Thursday. Take me back to the draft in Nashville. Uh, you end up drafting the one goaltender. Tell us first of all about the sixth round pick, Yegor Yegorov out of, out of Russia. Tell us about him and what has you really excited about him?
1: Yeah, he's a guy I watched early in the season. I, I try and watch all the draft-eligible kids early and the guys that, know stick out and you know give me that gut feeling you you know you dive into them deep and watch them 10 15 25 times and he's a kid that he's one of the youngest goalies in the draft with a late August birthday and um, he was on a team in Russia in the MHL this year that had three goalies and you know one was an 0-3 one was an 0-4 and then he was the 0-5 so he, he didn't play a ton he played 15 games but you for the success he had at his age at that level, it was really impressive. And, you know, his attributes remind you so much of Ilya Sorokin when you watch him, just the way he moves. He's a 6'3", athletic kid, um, still a little bit raw, but he's explosive and powerful, an excellent skater, really sees the game well. And uh, when I called to interview him, I, I tried to do my interview as late as possible because he was an unranked goalie and didn't want to draw <laughs> attention to him, so... We, uh, we interviewed him, and he talked to about five teams then, and then you kind of look to see you know where those teams are picking after you in the sixth and the seventh, and you don't want to lose them. So we, we took a shot on him in the sixth, and um, when I did call to interview him, I expected to use Robert uh, Newhauser who's our, our Czech scout, and he speaks Russian, so he was on the call and interviewed him, and the kid said, no, I don't need a translator, really? speak fluent really? English, and the kid nailed it. It was awesome and impressive.
3: Well, that's, uh, that's fascinating because I, I don't – I don't even understand how you scout Russia these days, especially outside of the KHL. Like how is that all video? Is that your scouts over in Europe? Like, How are you even scouting that part of the world right now?
1: Yeah, the Russia stuff's always on video and uh, it's really tough to get over there now unless you have a visa. And, um, our Czech scout is a- available to go over there and he's a big help and he's not a goalie guy, but he's always had a good eye for goaltending and uh, you know, he's, he helps me immensely and you know, Once you know the league and how good it is and the comparables to over here, it's a little easier to scout on video, but okay. I find it easier with goalies too because the camera's always focused right in on them. You're not trying to chase a player around the ice, so it's uh, and you get the replays. So that's a different way to do it, but kind of learned to do it through a couple of COVID years there.
3: In, and you've had some decent success out of Russia. Chechelev's over here. Sergeyev's over here. He's going to be taking part in development camp. What's the what's the process now? From you've drafted him, you hold his rights. What's the process in bringing him from Russia to North America? How much of a long game is that?
1: Yeah, he's going to be a little bit longer, and he's a guy that he he doesn't plan on coming over to play USHL or NCAA. to okay. Stay in Russia and play, which is is fine for us. I'm going to try and get him over and see him this year when they're in Belarus because you don't need a visa to get there. So that'll be good to see him live. It's three years three. But my last three draft picks, I haven't seen the guy live once, so it's been interesting. You had two years of COVID at yeah. this video, and then you take a Russian that you've never seen either. But, you know, you just get that. All three of us, the goalie guys, had just a really good gut feeling on him. Like, we had some guys in the second and third we were really high on two, and they didn't fall in our lap. So, you know, Todd was... You know, lucky enough, he gave me, you know, that sixth or seventh rounder, and we took Igor in the in the sixth. So how does
3: that how does that work? Because I, I remember talking to Todd in Nashville, and he's like, yeah, we've got our list, and we've got, you know, I've got the 50 I've seen, then you throw in the area scouts, and then he's like, Jordan's got his 200 goaltenders <laughs> or whatever. So how, how does it work? How do you end up going from your goalies to now you're making a pick? And, and what's that conversation like at the draft table?
1: Yeah, it kind of comes down to, you know, who's pounding the table for who in each round, whether it's the top two rounds with all our scouts and management because they have a good feel for, you know, guys ranked in the first and second. But once you get in your area lists, if there's a pick in the sixth or seventh and I'm pounding the table harder for the goalie than they are a player, then, you know, they, they usually go with go with that pick. So it's, a, it's an intense time and gets the adrenaline going when you're there at the draft because the second to f- seventh rounds, they happen quickly. So yeah. you got to make quick decisions.
3: Did you, uh, were you worried you were going to lose your guy?
1: Yeah, you're always worried. It happens all the time. It happened a couple of years ago where you're planning on taking a guy in a fifth and he goes in the fourth and it's deflating but you you have enough guys on your list that you know you're, you usually have about five guys that you'd really pound the table for out of all those guys ranked. And it was an interesting year because there was 32 North American goalies ranked and 12 went. There was 12 international goalies went and only five went and then there was nine guys that went that weren't even ranked in the, on uh, any of the Central Scouting so it's it's a lot to cover, but uh, it's exciting.
3: How, uh, okay, so that is the newest goaltender that's entered the organization. Uh, Arsenis, t- this, this is his first development camp, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is his first camp. He's excited to be over here, never been to Calgary, and uh, he's going in a sophomore year at UConn. And, uh, split time last year with Logan Turness. and uh, Logan just transferred to Ohio State, so it looks like it should be Arsenis' net. He's obviously got to earn it still, but it uh, be good to get him in the net more, playing some more minutes, but uh, his game's come a long way. We actually we flew in UConn's goalie coach as a guest coach for development camp, Vincent Stiletti, and so it'll be good to have him around myself, Skapsky and LaBarbera, you know, just to get him on the same page as well. And, you know, he's a talented kid, a big, powerful, um, explosive, athletic guy, and he's an exciting kid to watch. So he's, uh, there's a lot of upside there, really high ceiling in our
3: um, how So why is this his first development camp? Has it just been circumstance prior?
1: Yeah, last year he went to UConn early and, and enrolled okay. in some English classes, okay. like English is a second language. Just like his English has come a long way, but it's one thing to speak it; it's another thing to kind of get it down on paper. So yeah, yeah. It, it was huge for him, and he ended up with a higher GPA than the average of his whole team, which for a, a Russian kid, first time you know going to school, balancing it with hockey, and you know he had a pretty good season on top of that.
3: Um, so I was going to ask, what, how, how would you evaluate that freshman year at UConn for him?
1: Yeah, he had some ups and downs, but, you know, he he was more consistent than not and, you know, won a lot of games for them, and he was the guy they went to down the stretch in the playoffs and, you know, in some of the bigger games. So that was good to see the progress, and he just started to play with a lot more control and, um, you know, he, he looks like a pro goalie, and he's built like a pro goalie. So, you know, there's the sky's the limit for him with the tools he has.
3: So, Arseny's here as one of your five goaltenders at this development camp. Tell us about the other goaltenders that you've got here with you, and uh, and what you're looking for, what uh, what intrigues you about them, and and why you pinpointed them to bring him
1: in. Yeah, Yari then He played for the Kelowna Rockets on the WHL, and you know, I watched him and just gave you a really good feeling the way he plays with his size and he was almost a difference maker in that playoff series against seattle who was a powerhouse he hung that team in there every game and then i go on you know google his name and trying to see where he's from in finland and the funny thing is he's not from finland he's from alberta with a (laughs) name like yari so um he's a he's an impressive kid and he's a kind of a later oh four birthday and had a feeling he might go on the later rounds of the draft he was on our list and he slipped through so he had been committed already if they didn't get drafted he'd come to our camp he was at florida's development camp last year but excited to see him um this week and then max varainen uh finished kid that was at michigan tech played behind a really good good goalie there and blake piatella um So he didn't play a ton, but the games I saw him, you know, he was really, really impressive. And I think uh, Blake's back for one more year, so he he might not see a ton of ice again this year, but there's a lot of upside with the kid. And um, just really happy that he's here. So, Um, And the other two guys I watched this year, and Matt Radomski, and Connor Murphy, um, both really good college goalies, a little bit older, about 24. Um, they're on American League deals, so they're going to come battle it out for an AHL spot. And, okay. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a good, good week.
3: Jordan Sigaletz with us, Calgary Flames, director of goaltending. Um, let's, uh, let's I guess, uh, wrap it up by going full circle and, and back to the NHL conversation. We started by talking about Dustin just what's uh what's what's Jacob's mindset coming out of this year? I know that he was not happy about the year that he had. He was very very adamant about that throughout the year. What uh what gives you confidence that that Jacob's got a big bounce back in him for next season?
1: I think he was just really disappointed at the end of the year, obviously missing playoffs after, you know, just being right in the mix there down the whole stretch to the end and you know, we had all those one-goal games, all those overtime losses and Um, you know, I think he's in a good spot mentally right now, and we had a conversation at the end of the year where, you know, he's going to bounce back, and he wants to do it in Calgary, and he's excited to be a part of the organization, like, there's no change in thought there, where we feel about Jacob, and, you know, just a little bit of off year for everybody, and, you know, and obviously the goaltending can be better, and, um, no, we expect him to bounce back one hundred percent.
3: Having uh having Barbs back and, and keeping that continuity, be the same goaltending coach that Jacob's had now for four consecutive years. How how important is that do you think?
1: It is important. Like I remember when I was in that role I had new goalies almost every year and it, it takes almost to the midpoint of a season to gain a guy's trust and, you know, start to listen to you and when you're going over video and, you know, trying to make little tweaks and changes to someone's game, like if you come in hot on a new guy you kinda you lose their focus and you lose you lose them as a player so I think having the same guy there and Jason is going to be, you know, really important to get off to a good start quickly.
3: And what about, I guess, the same thing with Dan? Because I know that he was not happy, especially the second half of the season. Felt like maybe the the numbers dropped a little bit. Same thing. I, I would imagine the confidence is high that you know there's a there's a pretty solid rebound season from Dan as well.
1: Yeah, you got to remember he's only 25 and has under 60 games of NHL experience, and you know his games come a long way in a couple of years. The numbers might not show it, but his win loss record is still always something that's been. Impressive, and that's what you want from your backup when he gets in there is to get you a couple points. And you know, he never has an easy schedule, he's usually getting a back to back, and it's usually a really good team. And, um, no, we have a we have a lot of uh, faith in Dan, and both are goalies, and um, I think he's going to have another strong year as well.
3: It's uh, so far now two seasons since your group. You know, you'd targeted him for a while, and, and Brad goes and acquires him. Has he been kind of what you've expected? Have you seen the results that you were expecting from Dan uh, and and what you thought you were getting?
1: Yeah, you've seen a lot of strides, and just his maturity, and um, He's be- he's become a pro. You know, he was a pretty immature, raw kid when he got here, but he's added a lot of structure to his game. Uh, mentally, he's gotten a lot stronger. I think learning from Mark, has been huge for him to be around him day in and day out just to see how he prepares and trains. And um, Yeah, like y- you could see him mid-season there where he kind of got handed the reins a little bit more, and it was a bit of a struggle for him, but I think that's part of the process, and you see a lot of goalies go through that, and I think next time he gets that chance, he's going to handle a lot better.
3: There you go. That is... Jordan Sigalette, Calgary Flames, director of goaltending. Talking all things goaltending. If uh, you missed the start of it, obviously back on the podcast, but um, talked a little bit about working with three goalies, if they have to do that, some of the different things they could do. Uh, And then at the very end, some development camp stuff in the middle, some draft stuff in the middle. And then at the end, they're talking about bounce-back years for Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar. Look, to bring the the first half of the hour to a full-circle conclusion, whether the Flames are using three goaltenders or two goaltenders next season, it's an area they need to be significantly better in. That's got that is the number one area, at least in my eyes, that this team needs to improve upon next year. And it's probably going to be with the same bodies. They just can't be a sub nine hundred team between the pipes next year. They don't need to be a number five or top five team in goaltending. That'd be great, but that's not necessary they just can't be a bottom five team or a bottom tier team like they were last year
0: absolutely if they were even a nine take there yeah thanks tips if they were even a 900 say percentage collectively as a team they would have been in the playoffs this year so you need more out of your goaltenders but again it's not just your goaltenders it's your defensemen and then it's your forwards it's actually a cohesive unit about defending because calgary flames didn't give up much but what they gave up was very, very satisfying for the opposition in terms of high danger chances against. So if you can whittle that down and get that extra save or two out of your goaltenders, whether it is Markstrom, whether it is Vladar in net, whether it's Dustin Wolf, you can boost up that save percentage. You're going to put yourself in a lot better position because the Calgary Flames weren't far off from a playoff spot this past spring. And I think you can pinpoint... The collective defense and goaltending is one of the things that plagued the Calgary
3: Flames. Here's a text from Jeff. Pat, I see what you guys are see- saying, but I have a hard time believing that if Wolf is down on the American League, that he'll be called up for spot starts during the season. I don't know how Huska likes to run his goalies, but we regularly see where during the season, coaches are hesitant to even give their backups a reasonable number of starts when every game matters or when you're fighting for positions in the standings. Coaches and teams want to win. Uh, and their starters give them the best chance to do so. I just can't see where a team will be willing to rest their starter and start their third string goalie for a significant number of starts over the course of a season. I personally think that's a bit of a pipe dream. If you want to have Wolf playing a significant number of games in the NHL this year, I think he has to be on the NHL roster full time either having straight up beat Vladar out as the backup in training camp or by a trade being made. That comes from Jeff. And you know what Jeff, it's a fair text and and I don't think that it's um, I don't think it's an unfair rebuttal to what we're talking about, but I don't think it has to be that way. And if you've got a cohesive relationship between, you know, your, your management group and your coaching staff, and this is a plan that they're both comfortable with starting the season, it's not, it's not completely unheard of. And it's happened before in recent years in the NHL. And on top of all that, If Wolf performs, and he's as good as people think he's going to be, and a lot of fans are buzzing about him being, well, if that goes according to plan, he probably gives you a good chance to win hockey games.
0: The rebuttal I'll have for Jeff on that text, because he makes a lot of valid points, but my rebuttal would be, if your coach isn't comfortable starting Wolf as your third stringer, moving out Vladar and making Wolf your second stringer doesn't make the coach any more confident in playing Wolf. Just because you've removed one goalie from the element doesn't necessarily mean okay, well, now that I'm just stuck with these two, I've got to play the other guy. And to, to your point, Pat, I think this is more of a cohesive general manager, coach type decision on when and where you're going to start them. Um, and even looking back, you mentioned in the past, in UC Saro's second year in North America, he played two years pro in Finland. His first year was with Milwaukee in the H L. played 38 games there, played one game in, with Nashville. Year two, he played 15 with Milwaukee and 21 with the Nashville Predators. I could see similar splits as it pertains to the Calgary Flames. Maybe not so high. Well, if he plays 20 games with the Calgary Flames, I think from a development standpoint, you'd be happy because not only is he earning those starts, um, but he's getting significant development as well. But if you can get in that range of 40 starts between the AHL and the NHL, I think that's a good spot for Dustin Wolf. Ah. I would prefer more in the AHL, but if he's commanding that much attention in the NHL, there is value of being in NHL practices versus AHL practices.
3: Uh, so at what point do the flames send Markstrom packing when he struggles next season because his runner up Vesna season was a fluke that's not who Marky is last season is what he truly is which is just a bonkers text because that's not that's the worst season of his NHL career like that is a that is a very on off base text was Markstrom good last year no that was a rough year for him we all know it but that was the worst season of Jacob's career uh prior to if you take the last two seasons out of the conversation, his best season and his worst season, which just happened to be the last two, he's about a 9-12 goaltender for the prior five years, and in a number of those years started in the 50-60 to 60 range. So no, last season is not what Jacob Markstrom is. Last season was a bad Markstrom season. If you believe that it's the sign of things to come, all the power to you, we'll see whether or not that's true. But to say last year is what Jacob Markstrom truly is is just false. Same way you say nine shutouts and whatever it was 921 50 games, yeah, he, that he, the, the ridiculous year that he had that had him runner up for Vesna. if you want that's probably not exactly who he is either it's probably closer to the 912 913 guy they had prior to the last two seasons so no last year is not truly what Jacob Markstrom is
0: no dispute to for me on that one I think he's somewhere around a two point 5 2.60 goals against average and a nine twelve ish save percentage. And if you would have gotten that out of him last year, you were playing in the playoffs. You were playing playoff hockey.
3: Uh, this says, um, a bit of a tough spot for Vladar after being excited and earning a two-year contract. Hard not to feel like the odd man out. Not sure that bodes well for the mentality for the season. That's from Brad and Lethbridge. Uh, this says the Flames have to name Wolf the backup or they'll end up losing him. They've got five years of team control. So... I I don't think that that is as much of a worry as some are making it. Um, This says, if Ladar outperforms Wolf in camp, how can you give Wolf the spot? I'm not suggesting that you do. I'm just suggesting that if you've got a progression plan and you believe that he's ready, I think that at the very least, you need to have the conversation about trying to get him some NHL games if you haven't opened up a spot otherwise. Okay. We're underway this hour of Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you. Wet Basement. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement. Visit dlbasementsystems.com.
2: Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960, the fan.
3: This hour rolls on on a Wednesday with Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. I think it's safe to say that last year, things pretty negative around the Calgary Flames. That's probably a fair statement. If I were to say, yeah, the atmosphere was negative. There was a black cloud hanging over the flames last year. Yeah, and that's a very fair statement. It was it was brutal. And as that year went along, it just got worse with the kind of dysfunction in that locker room, the Daryl Sutter situation, the losing, the frustration, the bad luck, the individual performances that did not live up to expectation. Just all things considered, that was a <sighs> really a, negative, negative year.
0: That's a long list of things that weren't positive, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, your face does it all right there.
3: It was, it was a, and I mean... It was no fun to cover the team. It was no fun to cheer for the team. It was—it was just like there was not a lot of fun being had at whatever five thirty-five Saddle Dome Rise or whatever it is four three 433 Saddle Dome four three three no five thirty-five is our address. Um, not a lot of lot ha- of lot of fun to be had at the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome last year, and so. We know this roster is going to look slightly different for next year. Uh, we we already know that. Trevor Lewis is signed elsewhere. Milan Lucic is signed elsewhere. Tyler Stetcher, Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli. The, the, the roster already is going to look different. It might look even more different depending on what happens with Lindholm, depending if they can get a deal for Hannafin done. Uh We'll see some of the other pending UFAs for next year as well. It could be a very different looking roster next season. And yet, and it might not be as strong a roster per se, or as strong a perceived roster for next season. And yet I just wonder if a different buzz, a more positive buzz around the team for next year could actually lead to better results. Even if the roster isn't as good looking on paper I wonder if the team can still be better than they were last year because it isn't just an absolute slog through the mud that you do not want to be at. It was no fun coming to the rink. Guys weren't jacked up to come to the rink last year. I think that is very, very safe to say. So I've been wondering that a little bit, and the conversation the boys had on Wednesday morning with new assistant coach Mark Savard got me thinking about that a little bit more. We'll hear a little bit of that. Uh, I'll I'll play you a clip on that in just a second. But I, I just... I've been wondering that over the last little bit. I've been wondering whether or not just a new vibe, a new feel, a fresh feel, regardless of what the roster looks like, could end up bearing a little bit more positive fruit for next year. I don't
0: know if you've ever worked a job where you didn't like, appreciate, um, what other adjective can I throw in there? Respect, um, didn't really want to deal with your boss. Didn't like your boss didn't like his approach, didn't like his tactics. Um, I have. It wasn't the most productive of environments for me, and I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. But if you're not enjoying and loving what you do, that has a uh, negative impact on your production. Now, whether you're, you know, doing construction, whether you're writing, whether you're talking on radio, whether you're a hockey player, if you're not happy, you're probably not performing at your optimal levels so if you can get into a situation where it's fun to go to the office it's fun to go into work you're enjoying yourself that automatically to me lends to a more productive environment again regardless of your industry regardless of your career if you're having fun life's going to be a lot better and that'll trickle down into the work
3: Yeah, and I just wonder how much that could impact on ice results. This was uh, new assistant coach Mark Savard caught up with uh, George and the boys on the big show on Wednesday morning and talked a little bit about positivity and what he brings in that regard.
2: Yeah, when I took over in Windsor, it's a great question. I uh, I was a positive guy. I've always been a positive guy throughout my career, and I really brought that positivity to Windsor. Uh, you know, two years in a row we finished first in the West. Uh, last year we weren't supposed to have a great team, and, and we were able to manage to, to win the West again. And I, I think that's just the new 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 age. It's just you know having good relationships with the guys, um, you know, making them want to come to the rink. You know, my guys didn't want to leave the rink, and I know it's junior hockey and their buddies, but you know it was that point where you know me and the trainer had to get the guys out of the rink at some nights because they were just they just wanted to stay because they they really enjoy themselves that much. So. You know, we got to make an environment like that for them to come in every day and obviously learn and get better is is the most important part. But you, it comes naturally after, you You know, you just love being there. You love working and you love doing your job. Uh, everybody has a better time and you get better results for it. So I think that's a big thing for me. I don't love a lot of negative video, uh, you know, a positive guy, you know, the power play that has a tough night. You know, I'm, I'm showing power plays where we were great and can keep them seeing stuff that that makes them feel confident. And, and I think that's the new age and, and that's where I'm headed with my coaching. And, and um, I think Husk is on the same page.
3: So that's uh Mark Savard. Uh, that entire interview is up on the hour three podcast from the big show on Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcast and, and even listed. So listening to that, Listen to uh, Elliot Friedman when uh, we played that clip from 32 Thoughts on Tuesday's show about Jonathan Huberto and how he's taken more of a, you know, more of a uh, kind of a hand in uh, convening and, and being a leader. And it feels like he's a little bit more positive with everything that's going on. I just wonder how much of a knock on effect that it could have now. Winning is fun, right? So winning breeds positivity. And so it's always negative if you're not a great team and you're not winning and all that type of stuff. But there was also other factors last year. The losing sucked, but so did the environment and so did a lot of the other things that were going on. And it all made for this really ugly brown snowball that just kept on rolling downhill. And so in, in, in this respect, you still need to be a decent team. And winning is always we weren't hearing the same thing about the black cloud the year before when the team was one of the best teams in the NHL. So winning cures a lot. It just, I wonder how much of a knock on effect a fresher and more upbeat feel can have for the group on the ice. And I honestly don't know the answer. I just, I'm asking it because it is a big change. And you ask anybody around the organization right now, the last couple of months have been a big shift from one field to another. And I'm just curious as to how that might per- permeate into the locker room and how that might translate onto the ice and, and to what extent
0: the big takeaway for me in that Mark Savard quote is you want them to come to the rink. You want them to want to come to the rink. And I didn't necessarily get that vibe from the team last year where you wake up you sit immediately up out of bed and you go, can't wait to get to the rink. Today's going to be a great day. I didn't necessarily feel that um from the team last season so if you can cure that if you can get your players excited to come to the rink again and mark savard in in that uh interview uh this morning talked a lot about at times they had to kick guys out at the end of the day to go home because they were just hanging out uh that's a great atmosphere to be in if you've got a collection of players and now we're talking about teenagers versus pros so there's going to be a bit of a difference but if you get to the point where Guys are lingering around the rink a little too long. It's like, "Hey, guys, you got to go home. Like, you got you got to go do all the stuff that you do away from the rink, whether it's with your family, so on and so forth." If you can build an environment that promotes positivity instead of drives home negativity, there's I mean, there's the carrot or the stick.
3: I just I I don't I don't think it is going to be the um, the major difference between you know whether they win the division or don't win the division. I just think that it could have an effect and make it so it's a slightly more conducive atmosphere to having success. Now, as this text says, having fun doesn't replace the need to be skilled. Positivity's great, but hope is not a remedy. Absolutely well heard and understood. But I just wonder how much of an effect it could have. The roster is still the most important thing. And the, the makeup of the team, I, I just wonder about the different vibe and the, the translation that could have. And I hope it's a good translation to that
0: text. I'll look at Jonathan Huberto as the example. An an unhappy Jonathan Huberto had 57 points. Does a happy Jonathan Huberto get 80 to 85 to 90? We're going to find out because it does seem like there's a lot more positivity around this team and around Jonathan Huberto already as is. So you still got to take that happiness and channel it into the appropriate outlets. But I would imagine just the vibe alone will give this team a boost. I'm not saying they're going to be substantially better. I'm not going to say that they're going to win the division, win the West, win two playoff series, just because everybody's holding hands and singing goodbye. It just, off, it just might make it, it better.
3: It just might make it better for maybe things to snowball in a positive direction. If it isn't, if the, the, the black cloud isn't hanging over, even when things are going well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and who knows? I mean, yes, Jonathan Huberto was stunned and hurt and adjusting and, at times unhappy in his first year in Calgary. Sure. But was that the only reason he only got 56 points or whatever it is? Yeah. As you said, we're gonna find out as we start to wrap up this hour of Flames Talk. Geez, we got a, we got a whole army working on this on the program on this Wednesday. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. We got Azam, we've got Cam. We've got Ben, we've got Callum. All hanging out with us on Flames Talk on this Wednesday. And we're all hanging out as we wrap up this hour inside the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact basement systems, they're all Things basementy, visit dlbasementsystems.com.